0: Live from the studios of KTAR News 923 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602 277 5827. That's 602 277 5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show now on KTAR News 923 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. We do have four lines open. Julia back here smiling on the phones and music. Give her a call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams or your nightmares. But most importantly, if you have a solution, you know, something for some of our problems, we'd love to hear from you as well. Number to call once more. 602-277-5827. Tom in Apache Junction. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. How are you? Excellent, sir.
1: Well, i got some, um, what do you want to call miniature citrus trees that the pack rats love to destroy. How can I stop that? Shoot the pack rats. (laughs) I've tried. It seems like when you get one, two comes to its funeral.
0: Are you out in the desert
1: there, Tom? (laughs) Well, I live at the bases of superstitions.
0: Back, backing up to and, some pretty wild desertland ground that's undeveloped.
1: Right, right. There's a lot of wildlife behind me, like BLM land where there's no houses. But the blooms come on real strong. There's five trees in a bunch, and they just strip all the blooms because I'm sure they taste good.
0: Well, you need a rat terrier. Yeah, a dog. <laughs> yeah, no. I will tell you what, they're pretty good on rats. My cousin Joe lives down in Sarita, and uh, mm-hmm. you know one of his biggest joys is going out with his uh, rat terrier and they hunt rats. And uh, you know they catch he, ca- he catches mo- he catches them mostly in uh, you know live traps, and then lets the rat terrier mm-hmm. devour them, so he gets the idea of what's supposed to happen. <laughs>
1: Can I put like diatomaceous earth on them or something?
0: No, no, that's not going to work. You might you might try you know some cayenne pepper or something that's that's pretty different. You might even put some okay. bars of uh, Irish Spring soap around them. They really hate Irish Spring soap. And
1: okay, uh, I, I fenced them, but they climb right up the fence. I mean, they just well, doesn't
0: matter. I tell you what, go out and get some bars of Irish Spring soap and put it okay. in a little cage right up there so they get that nice fragrance as they come up the tree, and they hate okay. Irish spring. I mean, I don't Please. know what, what about Irish spring is so special, but the fragrance in Irish spring soap is something they really don't like, but uh, okay. you know, I, I think you're fighting on the edge of the desert, you know, a, a battle against Mother Nature that you may not win. Um, Correct.
2: You, know, right. you, you, you need something
0: out there, you know, if you had some more foxes around or something out there, it's going to really eat the rats. You know, and right. uh, you, I, could, you could I go out and some, just destroy their nest if they're close by.
1: I put uh, irrigation uh, solar lights all around thinking if it was lit up it would the so owls can see them and just let the owls take care of it.
0: You know, I'll tell you what you, you might want to do, Tom, and this, this is you know not being facetious, you might want to put up a barn owl box. And okay. uh, barn owls, and you're, you're on the edge of the desert, they really are always looking for a place to nest. And you can get a mm-hmm. pretty good detail on how to construct one on the internet. But uh, right. they're famous for eating rats, and they do a great job. And if you've got a nest nesting box right there in your yard, you're going to have a first-line defense. It's going to be kind of like those rockets that shoot down the airplanes, you know, and you right, this right. barn owl. And the thing with the barn owl boxes, uh, you, you really, you know, the barn owls need the protection because the great horn owls eat the barn owls, and they especially okay. attack their nests. So if you would build uh, one or two of these barn owl boxes, and you can buy them on the internet as well, and put them in your yard, you might find that that's a real good defensive measure to uh, to help mm-hmm. keep those rats away because barn owls are just famous and notorious for eating those. And if you know where to start out looking for. Doing do than when you jump off the perch you know and uh, right. having those well, in your I've backyard built a, might work
1: well I built a bat box so I'm familiar with what you're talking about I have a bat box on the back of the shop out in the back part of the, of the property
0: Well, and there's there's some really good details on how to build these, you know, with certain specifications that that keep other other predators away from the barn owls. But they are probably the most prolific of all rat eaters in the desert, that and foxes. Gotcha.
1: Very good. Appreciate your time.
0: Good luck, Tom. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, that leaves us with the first time today since the very beginning of the program with wide-open phones. And and Julia is feeling unloved back here. I can see by the look in her little eyes. Well, it's a big smile. But (laughs) but anyway, give her a call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We can talk about anything you want to grow, water, plant, fertilizer, kill. Don't be shy. If you've never called a radio program before, we're kind. And we promise to be kind. But, um, you know, there's a lot to do. We're here in spring, and this is prime, prime spring season. There's more to do in a garden right now than almost any time of the year. So whether you want to fertilize if you haven't fed yet, prune if you haven't pruned, if you want to plant. I mean, you could still plant all your, you know, if you want to plant watermelons, never grown them before, plant watermelons from seed or cantaloupe or all those kind of things tomatoes and peppers, it's a great time to plant right now. So all different kinds of things that can go into our garden. You know, if you're from the south and you want to grow some okra, it loves it here in the desert. So a lot of things to grow. If you like black-eyed peas, it's a good time to plant those as well. You know, now I guarantee you that we're past our last frost date for the year. Couldn't do that last week, and there were some frost, you know, even this past week. But I think we're pretty much done, so you're pretty much home-free here in the, you know, lower deserts planting the garden your garden right now. Perfect time to plant citrus, shade trees, flowering shrubs, grapevines, whatever you want to grow. You know, you couldn't find a better plant time to plant than this week. So, you know, plant away. Pruning. And if you're going to prune, you know, even if your deciduous trees have budded out some, you're better to prune them now than to wait. There's not going to be a better time in the year to prune them than right now. And hardy evergreens, things like citrus, you definitely want to prune them right away before it gets too hot. You know, we're going to be in a big race here, you know, pruning our our citrus orchards over the next few weeks. But it's time, folks. Pick our next caller, Margaret in Youngtown. Good morning, Margaret.
3: Good morning, how are you?
0: Excellent. Thanks for asking.
3: Yes. Um, I, got, I uh, purchased a uh, Fantex ash, and I put it in my backyard about maybe three years ago, four years ago. But um, I, um, it has some bark coming up from the bottom of the trunk. And it's about nine inches high. The bark, I just measured it, and it's pretty thick bark. Is that normal?
0: Yes, it is, Margaret, because what they are, a Fantex ash is grafted to an Arizona ash rootstock. And the Arizona ash is the portion down at the ground where the bark changes there. So what you're seeing is the natural bark on an Arizona ash as it's the rootstock, and right there where it changes is where it's grafted.
3: Oh. So don't have, do I wrap that? I haven't wrapped it. It's been—it's almost what three and a half, four years old now.
0: So no, I wouldn't be too concerned. I think it's pretty well established. And the fact that the trunk's growing that much in diameter, and you're starting to see the rootstock where it grows bark, is very oh. normal. So that's that's exactly as it should be.
3: Well, it's on grass. It's on grass now. The next question is, um, I'm in charge of the dog park a chair for the dog park in Youngtown, and we put two of your weeping acacias in. Mm-hmm. And we put another tree that blew out with a microburst. Okay. Would a Fantex ash be a good tree for the dog park? Excellent.
0: Yeah, Fantex ash or, you know, pistachios, elms. I mean, all those are really good trees for a dog park there. The lawn will grow underneath them, and they'll make a nice big canopy, provide shade for everyone, you know, man and beast both out there playing in the dog park.
3: Yes, really. And, uh, okay, so we're not going to probably do it until April. Is that going to be okay? That's fine.
0: You know, you can plant Fantex pretty much all year. They're hardier than the Shamalash, which is a okay. more tropical variety. So Fantex or Fan West are both quite hardy, and you can oh. plant them just fine in April.
3: Well, I know that the branches kind of branch out. They don't clump up. Mm-hmm. And so the wind kind of goes right through them, and that's what we're looking for.
0: Well, typically on ashes, they're pretty sturdy. You don't yeah. see many healthy ashes breaking the wind.
3: Oh, okay, good. And then um, the next question, I put cream on my front yard in the rock gravel a week old Friday, and it didn't rain.
0: Okay, so water... So,
3: so I go out there and take the holes and water it.
0: Mm-hmm. You need probably at least a quarter inch of water to a half inch of water over the top of it to activate it.
3: So I'll look strange out there watering my gravel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who cares what you look like, you know. But get, get a wild hat, you know. If you go, if you're out there doing it in a wild hat, um, you know. Hey, and this is the time where you could be the, the Frito Bandito too, and wear a mask if you like to. I mean, well, they're yeah, not they're not true. as required as they much as they were a few weeks ago. Maybe nobody will recognize you. But, you well, know. they
3: said it was going to rain, you know, and you <laughs> want to put it in. So well, anyway,
0: do, do a one rain, rain other dance, qu- Margaret. Bring us <laughs> some water.
3: Well, the other quick question is I did not trim my Yellow Bell and my Bird of Paradise. And the Yellow Bell's got a lot of old stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Is it too late to just go get a saw or whatever one of those power saws or whatever, electric saws, uh-huh. and just go around it?
0: No, you can trim anytime. any time. It's not going to hurt Arizona Yellow Bell.
3: Okay, well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Jewel, Pete, uh, Pauline, and Nancy in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. If you want to be up after that, crew, you can give Julia a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. It's Julia and Brian here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. folks this beautiful sunday morning the lines are full so we will get right to the phones as one's gone one's open the number to call 602-277-5827 uh pauline good morning
3: hi i think she got my name wrong but that's all right oh, okay
0: <laughs> I, I get called lots of different things too pauline
3: <laughs> <laughs> um i was calling in to ask whether or not you might ship meyer lemons to florida
0: well, Paulie, we do ship the fruit to Florida. We have several customers in Florida that buy our Meyer lemons from Arizona, but we're not allowed to ship trees. So with, oh. our, with our citrus trees, we really don't do a lot of out-of-state shipping anyway. We grow them mostly in larger sizes, but citrus can't come from Florida or Texas to Arizona, okay, and legally. So it, it's got to be inspected, and, and because they have different diseases and problems, but also we can't ship our citrus, you know, to Florida or or Texas, or California as well. So there are limitations back and forth because we want to prevent disease problems. We're very fortunate to be here in Arizona where we have our heat, which is miserable for us, but it's also good at killing these sharpshooter insects that spread a disease they have in Florida that's really reduced their fruit production.
3: She mentioned that um, the nursery told her that they had a greening disease.
0: Yes, it's called lethal greening in Florida. Now, you can buy certified clean trees in Florida from Florida producers. So, if you know, if you're in Florida and you want to buy a Meyer lemon, they're certainly available there. I have friends like Holmberg Farms down in Florida that grow lots of them and sell them to retail. I'm sorry,
4: what was the name of that company?
0: It's called Holmberg, H-O-L-M-B-E-R-G Farms, but they sell them to retail, you know, establishments throughout Florida. Okay. And uh, so they, I know they grow a lot of Meyer lemons. They've been in the citrus business for generations. Mr. Holmberg's quite a guy in his mid-80s and they're still out there grafting and producing thousands of citrus. But just, just you know, a, a point is Florida had the smallest citrus crop this year in seventy five years because they've had so many problems.
3: Okay. Great. Thank you very much for the information. Thanks,
0: Pauline. Bye bye. Uh Mike and Scott Good morning, Michael.
1: Good morning. How are you today? Excellent, sir. Good. See I'm uh I spend my summers in Wisconsin and um I noticed near my son's house there is a prickly pear growing in the neighbor's yard and my daughter in law is interested to know if she can get one to plant that would grow there. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Well, this is in Wisconsin? Yes. Um, there's a lot of, you know, prickly pear range, you know, here in Arizona from high elevations, you know, up to, you know, I, I've seen them at 8,000 feet. So I know some of the cultivars will grow in very, very, you know, cold climates. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we're not growing as many of those cultivars here in the valley. Um you know, as, and, and I'm just not familiar with which ones are. But I think with a little research and uh, with Anthony, who's kind of our cactus pro, we could probably uh-huh. find a cultivar prickly pear that'll grow there for you.
4: Okay.
1: I'll come and check that out.
0: Yeah, uh, one think, other question. Yes, sir.
1: Um, I have a, a Lisbon lemon that I planted last year and it hasn't budded out yet. Is, mm-hmm. Should I be concerned about that?
0: Not at all. You know, my <laughs> grove out in uh, the grove that we grow in, in Queen Creek, Mesa area, hasn't flowered yet either, while well, our one in Hyder's in full bloom. And uh, it's just colder areas of the valley, they bloom a little bit later. And when they're young trees, they might not even bloom the first year or two. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Mike. That's all I need. Have a nice Thank Sunday. You. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Uh, Jewel in Wickenburg. Good morning, Jewel.
5: Good morning. Hey, I have a quick question. I have several geraniums in containers, mm-hmm. and something keeps coming and eats the blooms. Hmm. Any well, idea?
0: Well, there's there's a lot of things out in the desert that like flowers, you know, and it just we're not alone. Um, but it could be ground squirrels. If it's just eating the blooms, do you have any javelina around? Yes, could be the javelina. Just you know, that's a little snack for a javelina. Javelinas eat just about anything. You know, t- imagine a you know an animal eats prickly pear. You know, so they're they're pretty tough. And and I'm certain that that geranium flower tastes a little bit better than a, than a prickly pear. But you know, you've got a lot of critters out there that can feed on them.
3: Anything that I could plant next to it in a container? to... Well, these guys well, What
0: you might try doing is spraying them with like a little cayenne pepper. You know, once they eat one and don't like it, then they probably won't. Or, you know, it it could be that they don't like horseradish, you know. I I know a lot of people that will eat different things that, you know, won't eat horseradish. So you could probably find some kind of deterrent. There's there's deterrents, you know, for rabbits and different things that they might not like as well. But um, I would start off with, you know, what you might have in your kitchen, like cayenne pepper, and just make it in a squirt bottle and spray it on the plant. And especially, you know, geraniums usually aren't a plant that's eaten by a lot of things because they don't have the best taste, but... You know, you you have probably this uh, little javelina that developed a taste for geraniums, but maybe you can scent them somehow that they're not going to enjoy them as much.
5: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. I'll try that. Good
0: luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Pete and Buckeye. Good morning, Pete.
6: Hey, good morning, Brian. Uh, Colin, I've got a peach tree I bought from the Glendale location. It's about a one-inch diameter. I planted it about two months ago. I thought I'd give it a little shot of seventeen seventeen seventeen. It's a Florida Prince with about a three inch diameter tree trunk or tree well and I the leaves turned green
0: rather you know uh i think i burned it you can very well easily burn especially with hot straight you know it's pretty hot nitrogen the problem with a lot of fertilizers they're made from ammonium nitrate and they release really fast you know and yeah. that, that can be a good thing but you know it's like drinking whiskey Moderation's the key and uh right. you know too big a dose can be lethal and uh so what the best thing to do for right now is to try and leach it out how long ago did you feed it
6: uh, about two weeks ago.
0: Okay, so just put a hose in there and let it run for a day or so. See if you can leach yeah. the fertilizer out, and it'll come back.
6: So those leaves will start turning a darker green again.
0: No, the, now the leaves—they're on there. Did they turn black, or are they,
6: or they? No, they're just the real—you know—they're real light green, okay. almost yellowed.
0: Well, so that fertilizer wouldn't really cause that. You know, when you have nitrogen toxicity, it's going to get a burn. So it's going to—it's really kind of like a salt. So it's going to burn the outside edge of the leaf. Uh, it would, yeah, they curled under. Well, if the, if the, but are they still supple?
6: Yeah, they they're dry? still you know. I, I no, well, they're still supple. Yeah, they're so still.
0: what I would do is I would leach it out. I would just run, the, run okay. a hose on it. But I don't think that you probably did put too much fertilizer. That's not really the symptoms they would you know exhibit. Um, if you had too much fertilizer, usually it's going to be a burn on the outside edge of the leaf. Or the leaves will just right. dribble and dry up. So chances sure are you didn't put too much. I'd let okay, them. Now, I'd, I'd kind of leave them alone for right now, though, Pete. Let them get growing. You know, yeah. they're all going to kind of come out and grow a little bit on their own right now. Anyway, it's the time of year and spring's happening, and this week's right. going to be, you know, ninety degrees. I would leave them for a week or two and see how they respond, and then it might be yeah. that you didn't put enough fertilizer on.
6: Okay, so uh, as far as leaching them out, I'm not going to cause root rot just by keeping that no, soil no, down no, there. No. Right?
0: Most most you know most of those trees are going to be like on a Nemigard rootstock, and they'll take a lot of water before they have a root rot problem. So just leach them okay. out. Just throw a hose on there, run it for you know several hours, and, and leach them real heavy one time. Don't water again until they get leafed out, and just see what happens. Right. But they sh- they should come back out.
6: Thank you, Brian. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, let's see. It looks like it's time. Well, we got Steve and Queen Creek and Nancy and Gilbert, but we're going to have to go to the news first, guy. Oh no, we not We got we got thirty thirty. Steve, good morning. Good morning, yes sir.
6: I, I've heard the answer this before, and I can't remember what you said. But what can you put
7: on grass that's around, like flower beds and plants that? or in gravel to, to get rid of the grass.
0: It's called Fusilade, F-U-S-I-L-A-D-E, okay? And it's also used oh. in other manufacturers' products, like if it's fertilizer, it'll be called Over the Top... <laughs> And it's a very good contact herbicide. And what it does is it kills monocots, not dicots. So it kills any kind of a grass plant. So you wouldn't want to spray it like on a palm tree, for example, which is another monocot. But as far as having it on, you know, if you're going to spray it and it would get on a a tree or a shrub, it won't kill it.
6: Okay, perfect, that's what I, and that's what I mean, you know, and it's fusillade and what did you say
7: the, the other well, day?
0: Well, Over the Top is one of the common, uh, you know, brand that's uh, for Fertilone, they call theirs Over the Top, but if you look at the label on the on the container, and, or, you know, if you look at the label on any container, and it says the active ingredient is fusillade then that's going to be a selective okay. herbicide for killing grasses and not killing other plants. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's very useful, too, in doing a lot of different things. Uh, Nancy and Gilbert, um, I'm going to take you after the break because we have a hard break here, and we have a news report coming up uh, from Ukraine. So we're going we're to take you after the break. Nancy, you'll be up first in the next hour, or the next half hour. And in the meantime, uh, we do have several lines open, and the number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. It's Brian and Julia here with the show. And uh, we have John Roller back here with the news every Sunday morning on 92.3 FM KTAR. I hope you're enjoying the program, and I appreciate you all being part of it. And during the break, uh, give Julia a call, and we'll see what kind of fun music she comes up with. But in the meantime, we're going to find out what's happening in the world. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.
5: being Crosby, and that one goes out to my grandfather, Luis D'Agostino, all the way back in New York. I asked him his favorite song, and he told me it was this, so I decided to play it. it goes out to him, love him, miss him every day, so hope you enjoyed that one.
0: Thank you, Julia. Beautiful tune. Uh, welcome back to the show, folks. We do have uh, three lines open. The number to call is 602-277-5827. Give Julia a call. We can talk about the landscape, of your dreams, your nightmares. Or if you got something different, fun you're doing at home, we'd love to hear from you. 602-277-5827. Nancy and Gilbert, good morning.
5: Good morning, Brian. How are you?
0: Excellent. And you?
5: Good. Real good. Thank you. I have a question about a mexican fence post and how to propagate it okie um, we we have a huge one in our backyard and we'd like to take one of the arms off and put it in our front yard so i'm wondering how how would you do that
0: well, they're, they're pretty simple, and it's the very perfect time of year. You basically sever the arm. Oh, great. Yeah, just take a sharp yeah. sharp knife or a saw and sever the arm. Easier probably with a pruning saw. And then okay. lay it on the side of the house, preferably the east side of the house, for about a week and let it callous. Okay? And, and then okay. go out, and, and it's going to be easier to start with not such a large cutting. So if you take okay. take a cutting, say, you know, two foot would be in order. A two-foot cutting would be pretty easy to propagate. And you could just simply right. go out and plant it back in the ground after it's calloused. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you wanted to pick up some powdered sulfur and dust the end of it uh, when, when you first cut it, that's a good idea. It keeps it from getting a bacterial infection. And then dust it again when you put it back in the ground. And then you want to water it lightly once a week. And if your soil is kind of heavy and not draining very well like a lot of Gilbert is, you might want to mix some sand in with it and plant it in a Mm -hmm. little bit of a mound.
5: Okay, so you're not going to take it out. You're not going to plant it in some kind of soil or sand when you propagate it. You just lay it on the side. Well, just let
0: it dry it. off first. You want it to callus first. You know, you don't want to okay. take that wet, fresh cutting and stick it in no. the soil because it's like cabling your hand with a wet, you know, fresh wound and sticking. So you want to let it callus. Okay. Okay. And, and you can and let then, it callous or you could hit it with powdered sulfur. But you want to let it callus really for a week before you stick it in the ground.
5: Okay um a question when you take the cutting off of the 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 Mexican pin post. Uh-huh. what do you do with the side, the, the area that you've cut? Do well, you want to cover that up? You don't need
0: to. You want to cut it, though, as clean as possible, so you have a nice, you know, even smooth cut, and you want to take it okay. off. Even if you're not going to use the whole arm, you want to take it off, you know, clean down to the trunk so you don't uh-huh. have this area where it looks like it was attached. And, and so if you leave a short arm, it'll branch more there, depending on what you want, but it might not be as attractive as if you just took it completely off from the ground.
5: Yeah, so they're pretty easy to to, to transplant very and easy
0: a- and especially right now it's a perfect time of year
5: oh great okay all right. Well, thank you
0: so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Nancy. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Gary in Phoenix. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Um, I'm a Texas mountain Law.
6: A couple of those. We love the purple blooms. They smell like grape bubble gum and grape Kool-Aid, but um, I didn't flower very much this year, and the only thing I did differently was try to get rid of the Caterpillars myself with uh, a, a guy recommended this uh, product, seven or seven. I can't say it properly. but uh,
0: Seven. If you had the Caterpillars, on it. Seven's a pretty good contact spray. What we usually yep. use for them, though, Gary, is one called BT or Bacillus thungensis, which is a bacteria, which is toxic okay. to the caterpillars but not to humans. But I don't think your flowering cycle was changed by your spraying. I think it was changed by our weather. And our weather's oh, been okay. bouncing around kind of differently. So, you know, we've had some warm, some cool, and so maybe it's just uh, unsure what it's doing. And it might continue to yeah. bloom some more, Gary.
6: Well, I hope so, because we if we have two next to each other, and uh, we grow them as trees, and they usually just fill them, and now there's like four or eight or 12 blooms. It's a, it's a little depressing, and it's hard to stop those caterpillars. Hey, one other thought, and thank you so much for that. Is there anything you can do about pods on a, a mesquite tree? Um, by reducing the number of them somehow other than
0: cutting the tree? Well, you could spray it with a product like Florel, or you could spray it with vinegar when it's in bloom. So when oh, the tree's fully okay. in bloom, if you spray it with vinegar, which is okay. just a light acid, you want to get the strongest vinegar you can find, and you can spray those blooms with vinegar, that'll burn the flowers off a lot of times, and you won't get as many okay. You'll still get some beans, but if you sure. have a way to spray it, you can spray it with vinegar. That will burn the flowers, and burning the flowers... Keeps them from setting fruit. Is
6: it is it a mixture of water and vinegar or straight vinegar? Yeah, no, you
0: can spray straight vinegar. You know, because straight vinegar you're going to buy, you know, typically is going to be less than 7% acid, and you'll need a pretty strong vinegar. Um, the other thing okay. you could do is you could, uh, like I say, there is florel. There are products that are made to burn the flowers, do kind of the same thing.
6: Okay, uh, that's great because we have some. We have three corgis, and they they just eat those like they're cupcakes out there every morning. So well,
0: they're good for it.
7: Well, they're high <laughs> in
6: protein,
0: you know, <laughs> high fiber <laughs> and protein. Yeah, uh,
2: well,
0: Yeah. Okay, well, great. Uh, thank you so much. I listen to you all the time. It's been great. I appreciate Thanks. it. Great. Bye bye. Uh, John and Gilbert. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, hey, I got
7: a question. Uh, I've got flood irrigation. And I've got common Bermuda. If I wanted to change out to uh mid iron or Tipway four nineteen, which mm-hmm. way would you go?
0: Um I would I would probably depends on how much traffic you have, John. they are different sods and they're used for different purposes. Four nineteen is a really good one if you have traffic. So if you have animals playing, people partying, different things happening, you know, kids with with balls and things, four nineteen is a better sod. If you want something that's okay. easier to maintain, mid is going to be easier. But uh, you'll have to okay. remove, you know, you have to basically come through and scalp with a sod cutter, remove all your existing sod, and then you'll still probably have little patches of other common. Bermuda and things that come into it, but uh, you'll certainly have a lot prettier lawn by resodding it.
7: Okay, well, I, I do would have heavy traffic with Grand. Well, and
0: Tifway Four Nineteen is the way to go, and the advantage of the Tifway Four Nineteen is it when it's mowed correctly and kept shorter will choke out most of the other types of Bermuda grass that could possibly come with your irrigation.
7: Okay, and you know it seems like to me since we've been down here and having this irrigation that. Uh, Common Bermuda was made for irrigation. I mean, it just goes crazy. Um, can you have a good lawn with that? I mean, if you work it?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, if, you, if you'll mow it short and fertilize it, um, you know, common Bermuda grass can still be awfully nice. I mean, it's really with your lawn more the care you put into it than the variety you have. Now, there's some big coarse Bermuda grasses like pasture, you know, there's some really coarse varieties that wouldn't be as good. But regular common Bermuda grass can make a very, very nice lawn with care.
7: And would it be in the category of the... Uh 419 in terms of for heavy traffic with uh, kids and animals? Oh, when it's healthy it is.
0: You know, and John, if, if you really want to get that Bermuda grass healthy and, and not go through the process of, you know, installing new sod, you know, what you do is you come through in about two or three weeks and aerate it and and throw some gypsum on it and come back and fertilize it and mow it short. And uh, if you keep it mowed short, you know, spring's coming and once it's 100 degrees, you know, Bermuda grass is kind of stand back. But to get it as healthy as you can, if you aerate it, put some gypsum down, feed eat It well, um, it can be a super healthy one, okay?
7: Okay, Brian, I appreciate it. Thank Thanks you for your show. Bye bye.
0: Uh, Carlos and Tempe, good morning, Carlos.
5: Yeah, hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Um, along the lines of the previous caller, um, my question first question is are, are we uh, fertilizing Bermuda even throughout the summer months?
0: Well, yeah, that's when it grows. (laughs) That's when you're going to feed it. No,
5: I meant like, I didn't know. I I had some bad experience before where it just didn't look right after I had fertilized before during the summer. And I was very very sensitive.
0: No, I'm I mean, that. for the grass, the hotter it is, the happier it grows, as long as it has water. Right. So, you know, if you want it to be really healthy and happy, yes, you do fertilize it more. And, and there's different philosophies on fertilizing. You can use like a 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer, which releases pretty fast. Or you can use something like a melargonite, which is organic and will last longer. But either one of those styles of fertilizer work fine. And it's just like me. It likes to eat.
5: <laughs> Very cool. Okay, and then my uh, last question is: I just put um, sod in uh, last month in the middle of February, and I put the you know the, the starter fertilizer down.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: When the Bermuda does come up, is it safe to add more fertilizer for the Absolutely.
0: Bermuda? Absolutely. Yeah, the the, the starter fertilizer is higher in phosphorus, It helps it root better. Now you have ryegrass there now, right? It was overseeded sod. You put yes. It- Okay, so what you're going to want to do is about a month from now, you're going to want to shut the water off for about three weeks, and don't mow it. Let that ryegrass get really tall, and then come back and scalp it, and then fertilize it and water it heavy, and the Bermuda grass will fill right in. Perfect. Sounds
5: good. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Carlos. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh We're going to take a short break while we're gone. We do have three lines available for Miss Julia. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. I had the good fortune to be born into a family that uh, was kind of farming, growing trees at our original little place over on 8th Street and Glendale Avenue, back in the days when it was a dirt road. And we continue today for four generations, growing trees here for Arizona's future. 15 gallons to 72-inch box, palm trees in every size from five gallons to 30 foot tall, whether you're looking for date palms, fan palms, maybe you want that tropical look, you know, something special like a meal palm, whatever your dreams are, there's lots of styles, lots of different ways to landscape here in the desert. Beautiful native plants like ironwoods and hybrid mesquites to uh, great, you know, desert adapted plants that come from other parts like, you know, the fruitless olives and some of our acacias. Whatever your dreams may be, come out and see us at Woodfills. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. We grow thousands of trees right here in the deserts of Arizona and all different species and varieties. If you want to plant fruit, if you want shade, if you're looking for something just to bloom, we have them all. And now is the perfect time to plant uh, all kinds of shrubs, vegetable gardens, and flowers as well. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue just south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And you can bounce around town and taste some of our citrus still in the stores. We have wonderful lemons and great tangelos this time of year. And you can find those at the whole Bash's family of stores, Albertson Safeway. You can find them at Whole Foods and Sprouts. So if you want to go taste some local citrus, look for the Silver Canyon label. Uh, we'll get back to the phones. Next up, we have Daisy, then Corey. But we have time for more. And three lines open. You can give Julia a call at 602-277-5827. 273- 7 KTAR. Good morning, Daisy.
4: Oh, hi. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Thank you for answering my call. I have a number of questions. I don't know how much time we have. We have time. uh, Let's go. Let's go. Let's Let's have fun. Okay. Okay. The one that's troubling the most is probably my Cora plant. It has. Beautiful red flowers, but it's not doing well the last couple of years. What's the best way to take care of it? Okay, what type of plant is it? Cora. I, I guess it's called Cora plant. Oh, I'm not sure. It has red, bright red flower, large red flower. Is it like a hibiscus? No, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, I'm not familiar
0: with it by that name. No. Um, Maybe I should take a picture and text it to you. Yeah, well, you you can't text it to me because I'm not going to give out my cell phone number in the air. Oh. But uh, you can send it to our email at Whitfield Nursery, and I'd be happy to take a look at it there for you.
4: Yeah, okay. We'll do that. Okay. Uh, Another question is my Texas olives Mm -hmm. tree. It kind of, uh, the leaves will get really brown and brittle. Well, in the
0: wintertime, Daisy, they can go dormant completely. So if you had any kind of a frost, that'll burn the leaves, and
4: usually they'll fall off. And, right, uh, right. and it's fall off, and a new one comes up, and it's doing okay. Yeah. So am I doing something wrong? No, no, it's the just the
0: weather. And, you know, we did have some pretty good frost. We actually had some, you know, a little freezing out at our grove in the East Valley.
4: Oh, it was the frost that did it. Yeah, it was the frost that did it. Oh, okay. I didn't. I was wondering, what's the best watering schedule?
0: Uh, pretty hardy plant. How long have you had them planted? Uh,
4: about 10 years.
0: Oh, so probably once every two weeks this time of year or so, really? and you can keep that up through the summer. If you want them to grow faster, you can water them once a week, but really not necessary.
4: Oh, okay. Then how about bottle brush tree?
0: Uh, bottle brush trees, if they're the same age, are pretty much the same water schedule. Yes, yeah, yeah, same age. They're, they're pretty it's, hardy, too, uh, mm-hmm. especially the weeping bottle brush, the colistum and right. That one's pretty hardy. So same thing. Mm-hmm. If you'll if you'll feed them this time of year, they'll come out and grow faster, but you don't have to.
4: Okay. Because the leaves are kind of turning white, maybe I'm watering too much?
0: Well, you shouldn't water anymore unless you're in just pure gravel. You know, Even in rocky soil this time of year, once every two weeks is plenty
4: even just oh yeah mm-hmm. every two weeks
0: oh okay but when you water you want to water Daisy so we get the water down two or three feet deep so if they're larger trees and they've been in that long you probably want to give them 50 to 100 gallons of water at a time
4: okay and I have a plum bagel mm-hmm. that I bought from the nursery the day I bought it, it didn't look that great but I just really wanted the plum bagel so I bought it the leaf was brown reddish brown I thought it would Changed, but it never changed.
0: How long ago did you plan it, Daisy? Probably. Four or five years. Oh, <laughs> well, it's the bad variety of plumbago. If it's at a four-year opportunity, uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of different varieties of plumbagos, but the deeper blue color uh, or the white, you know, are the most popular. Right. The, the older light blue right. is kind of fading in popularity. But it also oh. might be in a location that's a little hot for it. They really oh. they like southern exposure but not western. So if it's getting a lot of reflected heat, that might be part of your problem as well. Oh, it likes sun? It likes sun, yeah, but not, not reflected heat, not on the west side. So the south side of the east side are best oh. for plumbagos. But they're going to need some sun to perform well.
4: Oh, because at the same spot, they used to, I used to have a plumbago that does real well, just beautiful. Oh, lavender blossom is doing so well, and all of a sudden it died. Well, Daisy, I'll that tell you so what, if you,
0: if you would send me that picture of that plant uh, to the, the Internet, to the Whitfield Nursery website, I'll take uh-huh. a look at it for you. I'm going to try and get a couple more callers before the end of the program. Thank sure. you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, Corey in Phoenix. Hi, Hi, Corey. Hey Brian, two quick questions. Uh, the
6: it asks on the label for a suffocant. Do we need, necessarily need That's to do fact. that, and, or you is you know, that okay? It,
0: it enhances its ability to work. So, what you can use with it's like a little Dawn dish soap. Okay. You know, you you can buy a spreader sticker, you know, commercially, and you can buy that. You know, when you buy the fusillade. but you can also just use a little bit of dish soap. Does same thing.
1: Okay. And the last question is why. And now I have ponds, and they like to be around the pond, water. I know they're predatory insects, but I just don't want them to be nesting in, like, my area around where we hang out. Is there a,
0: Well, is there I mean, your be, no? best... Well, no. I mean, they're going to be there where there's water, and the desert water's life, you know, so they're going to be there. But in areas where you have nests, you just really have to buy the wasp spray and eradicate that nest. Okay. Thanks, Thank Corey. Bye Brian. Bye-bye. Uh, Bob in Peoria. Hello, Bob. Hey Brian, how are you doing?
6: Excellent. Hey, hey, uh, question. That's where I'm, Happy Jack. Uh huh. If I was gonna plant blueberries. Is it
0: possible? You know, I don't know about growing them in Happy Jack. I've seen them grown all over. I, I think that might be a little cold for them, but there's one way to find out. You could plant some. I know they don't you do well here in the valley, but your advantage up there is you've got a lot better water quality. So if they're going to work, they may. I just don't know if they'll take that much cold. Bob, I'm going to let go you need- go. Uh, hold on. I'll take okay. you off the air. And appreciate all the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program. It's, you know... Uh, Beautiful weather out here. We're enjoying this wonderful place and and, and the peace that we have in the United States. And, uh, you know, hopefully, whether we're Jews, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, you know, every band has the same dream. We all dream of raising our family without crisis, you know, without threat, and uh, having the peace and liberty that we enjoy here in the United States. And... uh, You know, whatever we have to do to support our brothers and family worldwide, you know, we in the United States are part of the worldwide community and uh, we we owe them whatever we can do. Be back with you next Sunday. Hope you had a beautiful weekend and uh, hope you enjoyed the program.